Good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you have joined us this morning at Homestead. Um, we are just so grateful uh, for all of you being here and the opportunity to uh, gather together as, as a family. That's really what we think of all of you as, as a family, and we're so glad that you are a part of our family. Um, so we are finishing up a series that we started uh, three weeks ago. This is our fourth week. We have been talking about a book um, called The Circle Maker by an author. Uh, he's a pastor in Washington, D.C., Mark Batterson. And I've heard from a few of you that you went out and purchased the book um, and have been reading it. It is a great book. And there are lots of little side books that came out of this. There's praying circles around your children. There's a daily devotional that you can go through. So if this is something that you feel like has really struck a nerve with you, you might want to go visit uh, your local bookstore or Amazon and see what other little pieces you could grab from it. But I know for me, it's just been so great to just be talking about what are you believing God for? What are you asking for? Uh, challenging, it's been challenging us to grow in the way that we pray, not just praying small prayers, but praying big prayers. And so um, today we're going to be finishing up our series. But as we started the series in week one, we told the story of Honey the Circle Maker. And for those of you that haven't been with us until today, welcome. We'll catch you up. Honey was, was a man who lived in ancient times. And the story goes that there was a drought that had come on all the land, and everyone was desperate. And no one knew what to do, but Honey was a prophet, and they went to Honey, and they said, Honey, would you please pray that God would bring rain, or we are all going to die. And they were all terrified, but Honey had the faith to go out in front of all the people and to take his staff and draw a circle in the sand, and he stepped into the center of the circle, and he said, I will not move from this circle, Lord, until you grant my request. And it began to rain, and it began to rain harder, and it began to rain even harder. And that is the message of Honey the Circle Maker, that he was determined to pray through something, that he was determined to draw a circle around something. And so the first week we talked about dreaming big for God, about asking him for big things, believing him for things, how a lot of times we kind of just float up a prayer here and float up a prayer there. And yet that determination to say, no, I am going to draw a circle around this thing and I am not leaving here. I am not going to stop praying for it, Lord, until I see you move in this situation. Well, then we talked about the people of Jericho marching around the walls of the city. And we asked the question, what is your Jericho? What is the thing that you are praying for, for your family, for your job, for our church, for our community? What is that thing that God has put on your heart that you're saying, I am drawing a circle around this thing and I'm not going to stop praying until I get an answer. In week two, we talked about praying hard, that circle makers are risk takers. They aren't, um, they are willing to believe God for things that are impossible. And Jeff talked about uh, the story of Moses and the people of Israel who were in the wilderness and they were hungry and they were wanting meat. And so God said to Moses, I'm going to provide meat for you. And Moses started doing the math. He started counting how many people were there, how much meat they would need. And he said, it's too big. It's too much. And God came back to him and said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And Jeff's message that day that was so good, and I've been thinking of it over and over again, is so often we miss the miracle because we're too busy doing the math. We're like, yeah, God, I need this to happen, but, you know, it would take this and this and this, and there's really no way. And we're doing the math, and yet God is saying, is there anything too big for me? 
When you ask God for a miracle, don't get caught in the math and miss that God does impossible things. So that was week two. And then last week, Jeff talked about the story of the persistent widow that said, I am not giving up. And we talked about the fact that we need to be persistent and keep praying, even if it takes a long time, even if it takes week after week after month after year that we continue to know you are the answer to my prayer and we are persistent in our prayers. That widow had a fire within her that she was not going to let go until she got an answer. And we believe that Jesus told that story because that's the way he wanted us to come to him in prayer, saying, Lord, I am not going to let go until I get an answer from you. And today we are going to talk, our final week is about thinking long We're going to talk about being willing to see something that nobody else is seeing. Be willing to pray for something that maybe nobody else sees. To be willing to take responsibility and pray for things bigger than yourself. And we're going to talk about being willing to fight in prayer. That there is a component of warfare and of fighting when it comes to drawing circles around things and praying. So before we get started, let's just bow our heads and pray and then we'll get into the scripture. Lord, I thank you so much that you are a big God and that there is nothing too big for you. And so, Lord, I pray today that as we look into your word, that faith would rise up in us and we would believe you for the impossible because you are the God of the impossible. Lord, forgive us for asking for possible prayers, for only believing you for things that we can get our heads around and do the math with. Lord, we want to believe you for things bigger than we can do in our own strength. And so today I pray that as we look into your word, that you would show us something about the way you want to move in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there. There are some Bibles in the pew rack. There's black ones that um, are our version, then there's some of the Methodist ones too. So Daniel chapter 10, we're going to be looking at a story about Daniel, who was a prophet in the Old Testament. And we're going to be in Daniel 10 verses 1 through 14. We're going to start there. So in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When the vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine had crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the back of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then, a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel... You are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. 
When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. And then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. But now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time not yet to come. This is a fascinating story to me. This is one of the biggest glimpses that we get to see kind of behind the 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 curtain of prayer. This is one of the places in scripture where we get to see Daniel, you know, just minding his business by the Tigris River, and all of a sudden an angel appears to him and starts telling him this story about what has been happening since Daniel has gone to prayer. And we're going to talk about those pieces of what Daniel saw today. So let's unpack this this chapter a little bit. The first thing I want to look at is in Daniel verse 2 in chapter 10. He says, when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. So this angel appeared three weeks after Daniel had started praying, and he was in mourning. It said he wasn't eating, he wasn't drinking, he was sad, and he was praying. So I asked myself the question, well, why was he mourning? Why was he so sad? What was he praying for? Now, you can remember that at this point in history, Daniel is not living in the land that his forefathers had started. Daniel is a part of the time, a period of time where the Israelites have been taken from their homes. They are in exile. They have been taken captive. So when we hear about refugees, Daniel was one of refugees. These people who had been taken from the city of Jerusalem, carried off into slavery, and were living in the land of Babylon. So when you hear stories about Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that is all these people are living away from their homes and their families. They have endured the humiliation of slavery. Daniel has been... uh, treated horribly, but he has managed to rise through the ranks because of the way that he honored God. These have not been easy times. They have been taken from their homes, taken from their families, brought into slavery. These are horrible conditions. And most of the people had lost all faith and all hope that anything would ever work out. No one ever returned from exile. Nations never survived that. They just basically disappeared. They would suddenly just be gone, and they would be no more. And so there was not a lot of good things happening. But we turn back a page to Daniel chapter 9, and you're going to see what has prompted Daniel to begin fasting and praying and mourning. Let's, chapter 9, verse 2 and 3 says this. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah. So let's stop there. So Daniel has gotten his hands on the Bible, on the scrolls, and he has started reading the book of Jeremiah, which is a little further back in your Old Testament. So he is reading the book of Jeremiah, and he sees, I saw as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. So Daniel has been reading the book of Jeremiah, and he sees this number, 70 years. And he starts doing the math and realizes it's almost 70 years. 
It's almost time. God has said that 70 years we will be in exile, and then he was going to bring us back. That was the promise given to the prophet Jeremiah. And all of a sudden he realizes, whoa, 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 whoa. The reason we were put into exile is because our hearts were far from the Lord. These people were not serving God, and so God allowed this to happen so that our hearts would come back. And all of a sudden he starts doing the math, and he realizes the time has come. And so he falls on his face. He begins praying. He begins interceding. And this week I want you to read the rest of chapter 9 because it's one of the most beautiful prayers in all of Scripture. Because Daniel falls on his face, and he begins praying for his people. He began praying and repenting for things that were not his own things to repent. He says, we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you. God, I know we've refused to listen. God, you were right in punishing us. You were right to send us away. Our hearts were so far from you. Our faces are covered in shame. And then he begins to beg the Lord, please lean down. Listen to me. See our despair. Have mercy. Bring us out of this situation. And one of my favorite verses in verse 18, he says, We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. He takes responsibility for something here. He takes responsibility for a lack of faith. Now, I want you to note that he doesn't say, Well, God, I have continued to love and serve you all my days. I have continued to follow you and pray and seek your face, even though we're in these horrible situations. But all those other people haven't. So if you could help them, no, no, no. Falls on his face and says, we, we have fallen away from you. He takes responsibility. He prays for his people. He prays for his city. He prays for mercy to be poured out and for the deliverance of his people to come to pass. So what can we learn from Daniel here? The first thing we can learn is that circle makers stand in the gap. Circle makers take responsibility to pray for things bigger than themselves. What if Honey had stood in the center of his circle and said, Lord, I ask that it would rain right in my little circle. It would be pretty cool, like one little shower. Like, ooh, that's a really good trick. But no, he prayed a collective prayer for the collective need. You know what? God has been convicting me so much that so many of my prayers are so incredibly self-centered. They're about my world, my home, my finances, my friends, my people. I wish everyone out there would think like I think, would have. My prayers are so much about me. And what I learn about Daniel in this is he stops and he sees something bigger than himself. He sees something bigger than his own little need, and he begins to own the plight of others, others who might not even have a heart of repentance. But he begins praying for them anyway. We see him pleading with God for the people of his city. He even goes so far to confess and repent for things that are happening corporately in lots of other people. I think it's very easy in the world we live today to begin to point fingers to assign blame for the condition of others. But Daniel, man, he inspires me to pray for and even repent for our collective need. And God responds to him, and it says specifically when the angel comes to him, we have responded to your humble prayer. 
We have responded to your humble prayer. The fact that he fell on his face and said, we have sinned. We don't deserve it. You were right. We don't deserve anything. But because I know you are a God who loves and delights in showing mercy, I'm going to ask, would you help us, your people? I love that. There's a verse in Ezekiel 22 that says, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. This is God saying, I am looking for people who are willing to stand in the gap and begin to pray for people and pray for cities and pray for our country and pray for things bigger than yourself and say, I'm going to stand in the gap for this. So what is it? What could you begin standing in the gap for? What is the thing that you could begin praying for? Maybe it's really just your city or the place that you work and God could begin to put on your heart to pray for those people that you work with. Maybe it's a certain group of people and you just are going to decide, I'm just going to own this. I'm just going to own this in prayer. Um, I have a friend, Susie Larson, who had a son who was a prodigal, and he was far away from the Lord, and she said she was praying every day that he would come back to God, come back to God. And one day God spoke to her heart and said, what about all the other moms out there that don't even know how to begin praying? And she said, I suddenly decided I'm owning that. And I'm not only praying for my son, I'm praying for all of the prodigals. So maybe there is something. Maybe you struggled with infertility. And so today you're going, you know what? I'm picking that up. I'm owning that. I'm going to start praying for all the mamas out there that can't even utter a prayer because they are so heartbroken. Maybe it is something about racial reconciliation that is breaking your heart. Maybe it is our country. Maybe it is our city. Maybe it is little girls or little boys or something that you have seen people struggling with. What is it today that you could pick up a collective need and say, I'm going to own that? I'm going to start praying for that. God says, I was searching for someone to stand in the gap, but I found no one. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's on us. My people, I'm calling us to pray. So we need to stand in the gap. Daniel took responsibility to pray for people. And yet he prayed with such consistency and purpose. So we see that. We see that he had been in mourning for three weeks, praying for God to intervene. We see this moment of desperation, but I want to go back and look. There's something else that Daniel began to do. In chapter 10, verse 2, it says, When the vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Daniel didn't just pray. When he needed a breakthrough, Daniel fasted. And so I want to take a second and talk about what it means to fast, because I believe circle makers, if you really want to dig in and pray through something, fasting should become something that we look at as a way to draw a circle around the situation. Now, maybe you've never heard of the word fast before. Basically, a fasting is giving up something. Typically, people will give up a meal some or some kind of food. Maybe people might fast a day. People might fast a meal a day. They might fast a whole week. 
they might fast giving up. You know, a lot of people have experienced that when they've done Lent. I'm giving up something particular for a certain amount of time. Maybe it's coffee or chocolate, and God be with you if that is the way you want to roll. Um, I, I think it's funny here in Daniel chapter 10 that Daniel says, I have eaten no rich foods, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and no fragrant lotions. So some of you are like, I will give up the fragrant lotions. That will be my fasting then God bless you. I'm sure he will hear your prayers. Um, So circle makers fast. So I want to talk about this discipline because scripture talks about fasting as a way to help fast track your prayers, as a way to break through opposition, as a way to have God hear you. Um, In the book, Mark Batterson says this about fasting. And I love this, this mental picture. When you fast and pray in tandem, it's almost like a moving sidewalk. You know, like at the airport, a moving sidewalk that gets you to your desired destination in half the time. Fasting has a way of fast tracking our prayers. Because fasting is harder than praying, fasting is a form of praying hard. In my experience, it is the shortest distance to a breakthrough. Even in the New Testament, Jesus said that some miracles don't happen just by prayer. Jesus told his disciples, sometimes these things are only broken through fasting and praying together. And so sometimes in our lives, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall. I keep praying for something, but I feel like there's just this brick wall. That is a moment to consider, maybe I should fast and pray. Maybe I should add that fasting component to my prayers. Um, If you have a big decision to make, circle it in a fast. When Jeff and I, we were at the church we were at previously, we were there for 10 years. And we were feeling that God was telling us that it was time to go on to something new. And it was so scary. We did not have another job lined up. We did not know that Homestead was going to be the end game there. We just knew that God was moving on our hearts that maybe it was time to do something. And so because we had that big decision... We took time individually, and we both fasted for a week, and we did various things. But it was our way of saying, we're not going to make this decision until we spend some serious time praying and asking God and making sure we hear him uh, clearly. And for me, when I think about what fasting does to me, it's almost like if you were listening to the radio. Now now we just push the dial and just scrolls. But remember when you had to, like, turn it and find the right station? To me, there's so much noise. In my head, in my life, so many things that it can make it hard to hear God. And when I fast something, it feels like it just dials me in really, really carefully to be able to hear the voice of God. And so maybe you have a very big decision. Maybe you are struggling in your marriage or your family and you don't know what to do next. I would encourage you today. Maybe fast something and see if you can get a little more clarity. And I, every time I have taken the time to fast, I always feel like God reveals a very clear answer to me. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I have quieted myself and I have put myself in a posture to be able to hear clearer from him. Maybe you need a breakthrough. Then circle it with a fast. Maybe there's something you've been praying for. And you're saying, you know what, I think I need to up my level of prayer. Now, there's lots of different ways. You could give up one meal. You could give up once a week. Um, A Daniel fast, which is what we see Daniel doing here, is where he gave up meat, basically ate all fruits and vegetables. He did that earlier in the book of Daniel. Um, So we've done Daniel fast before. It's kind of like Whole30 without the meat. So Kristen sure you'll want to dive right back into that after. But for some of you, maybe you want to do a Daniel fast. There are lots of different ways. Um, A lot of times I will fast media. 
I will just shut down, if you talk about shutting off noise, I just shut down all media for a certain amount of time. Whatever that might be, there are lots of different ways. Ask God, what is a way that I could fast for this situation? So we learned that Daniel stood in the gap, and then he fasted. And the last thing that I want to talk to you about today is this last part of the chapter that is so intriguing to me because we learned circle makers stand in the gap, circle makers fast, and lastly, circle makers fight. And I want to talk to you today about fighting in prayer. Let's look back at Daniel 10 at verses 12 and 13. This is one of the most intriguing portions of scripture I think there is. It says, then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince in the kingdom of Persia. Now, these two verses are very intriguing. They peel back that curtain into what is going on in the spiritual realm. And it's one of the clearest glimpses that we get. It says that Daniel began to pray. And so God sent this angel to come and bring him a message and tell him what was going to happen. And yet there was opposition. There was an actual spirit. And it says that he was the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So I want you to just get your imagination with me and just imagine that this angel has been dispatched to go give an answer right away to Daniel. And yet all of a sudden, like Darth Vader, This spirit prince comes and begins to block his path. And he starts fighting him and fighting him. And he's trying to get to Daniel. And yet he literally has opposition in getting the message to Daniel. And Daniel prayed and prayed. But it says, for 21 days, the spirit prince of this kingdom of Persia blocked my way. So then all of a sudden, Michael, one of the archangels up in heaven, who is one of the big guys, he comes and begins helping him fight. And then the angel says, so I left Michael with Darth Vader. And then I came and was finally able to give you this message. So to me, I'm kind of like, this is crazy that this is in the Bible, right? What's even crazier is that this is what is going on, that there's actual opposition to the answering of your prayers. And that makes me think of the things that I have been praying for for a long time, like, is my angel out there, like, trying to get to me? And yet he is just fighting his way, trying to get to me. And you know what? This scripture gives us precedent that, yes, that could very well be the case. I think there is a lot more going on in the spiritual realm than you and I will ever begin to understand. This passage introduces a lot of theological questions. So if you want to spend some time this week studying, it'll open up a whole can of worms because apparently there was a prince of darkness assigned to that very region. There was someone who that was his territory, and that was who was fighting him. That makes me ask a whole lot of questions. And then there's the idea that they were fighting for 21 days. Like, why couldn't he win right away? Why did he have to get help? Like, how does that work? What is the back and forth of all that? I don't know. How does it work that reinforcements show up? It makes me wonder, what is going on in the spiritual realm for the things that I am praying for? And I don't know that I understand all of I don't know that we'll ever understand all of that. When we all get to heaven, we'll all sit down and we'll have a Daniel 10 little clarification. And he can let us know all that was going on there. But I do know one thing. 
if this story is true, which we believe the Bible is true, you and I have got to up our game in how we fight in prayer. That is what I have taken away from this story. You and I better up our game in prayer because there is a real battle going on. And we know this from Scripture. Ephesians 6 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Why do you think that angel was finally able to get to Daniel? Why was Michael finally summoned to help him? I want to ask you a question. So how many days had he been fighting? 21. Okay, look back at the beginning at verse 1. How long had Daniel been fasting? Three weeks. Do the math. It's the same. So that would make me think, what if Daniel had stopped? What something about his activity of fasting and praying and not giving up somehow caused that reinforcement to show up? Somehow, some kind of strength entered. Something changed the equation after 21 days. I don't know what that answer is, but it sure makes me think I need to be more persistent and fight when it comes to things that I am praying for. We don't know how it all works, but we know that our prayers are weapons that God uses in battle. Ephesians 6, 16, and 17, I love the message version of this. It says, God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in ongoing warfare. So pray hard and long. We know that our prayers are some kind of weapon that God uses to fight back the plans of the enemy. So what would have happened if Daniel had stopped praying? Would he never have got the message? Would the angel have been turned back and defeated and never allowed to deliver it? We may not know how that works, but this story shows us something really quite chilling, that the enemy is actively trying to stop the work of God, actively participating, actually trying to stop it. There are powers of opposition at work against us and the kingdom of God moving forward. But when we pray, when we pray, we fight. We engage in this battle, and we bring strength to the fight. And we know that God is greater than any plan of the enemy. But there is a peace that we have to own in engaging in the fight. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So the weapons of our prayer and the weapons of using the word of God in prayer, they have power to fight back the enemy. So let me ask you this question. What do you need to start fighting for in prayer? What is it that you need to say, you know what, I'm going to engage in this battle. I need to fight in prayer for this. Jeff and I have been talking this week, and we are want to ask you to fight with us in prayer about something. So if you've been around Homestead very long, you've seen this picture. Charlie, why don't you put it up for a long time? <laughs> we have been praying. I have been praying over that building probably eight years. Because when we first started about thinking about planting a church in Farmington, we said, wouldn't this be a great location to start a church? And we went through it, and we've talked to the owner. We've had three contracts for deeds on the table, 
at the last minute, some weird thing happens and the owner backs out. It has been one of those things that I feel like, what? I feel like Darth Vader is right there <laughs> with his sword. Now, I don't know all of the answers. It could be that this is not the right place for us. And God is saying the reason it's not working out is because it's not the right place for you. It could be a timing thing that God is like, this is not the right time. And when my time is right, it's just going to happen. But I, after reading this story yesterday, I thought, what if, what if there is a battle going on? What if that is the place that God has for us, right in the center of our town, one of the most visible places in our entire community? What if that's the place that God wants to plant Homestead Church for a permanent location? And what if there is a battle going on somewhere? And what if there is some power over the, king, the area of Farmington resisting that from happening? What if that's the case? I think we owe it to ourselves and to the Lord to take some time and begin fighting in prayer. And so this week, we want to ask our Homestead Church family to pray and perhaps fast for movement on that building. And maybe that movement will be an absolute closed door. And then we can all just move on. But if it's not, we are going to pray that God will do something. He will begin to work. It's, we are at the point now where we have done all we can do. There is nothing more that we can do. But I believe that if there is a battle going on, we need to engage in fighting. So we're going to ask you, would you pray this week? Maybe you want to fast a day. Maybe you want to fast a meal. Maybe you want to fast multiple days. Maybe you want to fast something else. Maybe you want to do a Daniel fast this week. Whatever it might be, would you join us in collectively praying for this? And I want to give you a scripture as to why we are asking you all to do this with us together. Matthew 18, 19 in the message version says, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. So there is power when we pray on our own. There was power when Daniel was on his face. But when we gather together and we collectively say, all right, what is that Godfather thing? To the mattresses, right? <laughs> when we all say, okay, it's time. We are going to engage in a fight and see the power of God move. So we are asking if all of you would join with us today in praying. Not only that, this week, I would love it if you would share with us some of the needs that you have been circling for your family. I've talked to a few of you and heard some of the things that you are circling for your families since week one. Our kids have been doing this series too. I've been hearing things that the kids are praying for. Our kids are circling things. They're praying for friends that don't know Jesus. They're praying for health things of their own that are really bothering them. And I believe we all need to come together and say, we are believing. We are circling this with you. We are standing together as a body of believers. And we are praying for healing for bodies. We are praying for anxiety to be gone. We are praying for things that have been tormenting minds to be gone. We are praying for the kingdom of God to move forward in our city. We are praying for marriages that have been broken and walls built up between couples to come tumbling down. We are praying for that. So not only are we praying for this building, but you know what? We want to pray with you for whatever your circle is for your family and believing in that today. So I want to do something a little different as we close. I wasn't planning on doing this. Maybe, Jeff, you could come up and play. But if there is something really specific that you are circling and you want prayer for that today, I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are.
And if there's something specifically, maybe it's for you or a family member that you are saying, this is a thing that I have been dealing with. This is what I'm circling, and I really need an answer to prayer. Would you just stand where you are today? All right. And those of you that aren't standing, I'm going to ask you to gather around our friends. This is what we do. This is what family does. You gather around each other and you say, we are believing. We are believing for that health problem to be healed. We are believing for that wandering child to come home. We're believing for that depression and anxiety to be gone. There were a bunch up here. <laughs> if you want, some of you want to come up front. We're going to pray that that financial miracle comes, that that new job comes. Jesus, we thank you that all power and authority is in your name. And Lord, like that persistent widow, we are grabbing on and saying, we're not going to let go, Jesus. We're going to keep asking. We're going to keep knocking. Lord, maybe there's someone here today who doesn't even want to let the words escape from their mouth because they feel like they have prayed so many times that their heart cannot take one more disappointment. But Lord, we do not want to have lazy faith that asks you only for possible things. We don't want to do the math. We don't want to only ask you for things that we can get our heads around how you could answer. But today we are believing you for impossible things. Through you, God, we can do anything. Things are broken. Lives are healed and restored. And so we ask, according to your word, which is true and for us, we ask today that you would move in every situation of every person who is standing in this place today. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that there would be something that happens this week that would be a sign that you are moving. I pray, Lord God, that any opposition that has been blocking the prayers of these saints in the name of Jesus, we ask you, we engage our spiritual weapons and we ask right now in Jesus' name that you would send reinforcements, you would bring the right doctors, you would bring the right people into situations that, that walls would tear down that have been standing in the path of healing and wholeness and restoration. We believe, God, that you are able to do it. And we want to be people who believe you for big things. And so we ask right now in the name of Jesus for freedom for every captive, for hope for everyone who is feeling despair today. Lord, we believe that you are able to do what you have said you will do. And we ask you to move in every one of these situations today in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we stop right now collectively as a body. We begin this week of prayer for big things. And we ask, Lord, we know you have a permanent building for this church body. And Lord, we are growing. And there are so many kids and youth. And we're going to need more space. And more than that, we want to have a place that people will know where to find us. And so I know it's your will that we have a place. And so, Lord, we are asking for you to give us wisdom and direction. And Father, if it is this building the Exchange Bank building in downtown Farmington, if this is that place, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would move this week in the hearts of the owner, in the hearts of his lawyers, 
in the hearts of the city. Lord, whatever needs to happen to make that move, we are asking. We are combining our prayers together, and we are asking that you would move. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that we can ask knowing that you are a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. So we thank you for always hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.